And hello, everyone. Welcome to Go Feffy Break on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter. This here is Carrie. Hello, Carter. How are and you? And I'm I'm well. How are you doing? I'm good. It's I'm better than good today. Oh. Yeah. All right. Maybe we should get into it. Uh, but let's first say it's Monday, May seventeenth. You're watching Coffee Break, which is a random show on Mondays and Fridays <laughs> at eleven a.m. Pacific. I don't know what to say about it. We talk about random stuff, news, random stuff. Friday wasn't really about news, but we had guests and it was awesome. So, uh, is there a better description of Coffee Break? Uh, this is a live show that we do where we discuss current events through the lens of ideology and culture and philosophy. Um, sometimes we have bits of frivolity, but we keep them intermittent because of co-host Carter Laren. Yes. Uh, and you can join our book club coming up. We're currently reading Jordan Peterson, who I adore. We're reading Jordan Peterson's new book, Beyond Order. And we're going to be discussing that on Sunday. What's today? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, it is Sunday the 30th. Sunday, May Sunday, 30th. Sunday, the 30th, May 30th. And you still have time to join if you go to unsafespace.com on the book club page. That gives you info. And we also have merchandise. You can support the show. If you can support us financially, you can go to the donate page at unsafespace.com. And we, you can do Subscribestar. You can do Bitcoin. You can do PayPal. Uh, Ethereum. And I assume do Ethereum. Ethereum. <laughs> Don't do Ethereum. <laughs> yeah. Do Ethereum. I like Ethereum. Carter I like Ethereum, Ethereum better than Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we have a retreat, our first ever Unsafe Space retreat. Really excited. We're going to get to see a lot of you guys in person. And that's going to be in August. There's a retreat page on our website. And we still have full uh, day passes available. We have a lot of day passes available. So. If you would like to come to Texas, the land of the free, in August to meet some wrong thinkers, you still you can do that. Yes. Carrie, you did all the stuff. <laughs> are, it was awesome. I did. I did it. Good. <laughs> so why are you in such a great mood? What's going uh, on? Oh, it, it's just great weather here right now. It's uh, it's the kind of weather that happens right before the rain. You know what I'm talking about? It's just that beautiful yeah cloudy overcast look and the wind is blowing there's a smell in the air i love that smell it's just gorgeous and yeah, yeah I'm, it's good and yesterday i had oh i wanted to talk to you about this as a friend but i'll just talk to you about it on Kafefi. Sure. i had a great conversation after church a bunch of friends new friends some of them we went to we had coffee, then we had juice, then we ended up sitting on the steps of the courthouse for hours just talking. And I've had conversations like that before. I've been really lucky, I think, to have conversations like that in the past few years. Um, uh, sometimes after church with people, sometimes at our civility dinners, uh, sometimes, sometimes they flow like that on our casual Fridays. I think Friday was a good example. Yeah. But it was just such a good conversation. And in the middle of it, it's it's I was thinking about what a good conversation is, what conversation should be. And every it only works if everyone there is doesn't care what people think of them. It only works if everyone there is awake. You can't do it if you're sleepwalking. You can't do it if you're wearing a mask. 
Ha, literally or figuratively. You can't do it if you're hiding part of who you are or you're afraid of what this person, or I want to seem smart or I want to seem like this or I want to have the right opinions or the right beliefs or I care what they think about my opinion too much, you know? So you can't do that. But if every, if everyone is open, actually open-minded and comfortable with who they are and confident and awake, not woke, then you can have a real conversation and it moves faster than fake conversations. And everybody's brain is kind of like pinging off each other's brain. And you're getting excited from, oh, this idea, this idea, this guy's saying this, you think, ah, oh, and everyone's like jumping in like a, like, like double, like hopscotch when you used to jump in the center. And there's, mm-hmm. it takes more than one oh, person to do because you're going turning the ropes. Oh, come on, Carter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've, seen it. I've seen it in movies. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, it's like that. And uh, it just was so enjoyable. There's nothing like that. I, I love it. It's, it's, it could be, you could What call were you guys it, talking about? Well, this happened to be Christians having this discussion. So part of it was Christian in nat- Christian topics in nature. And I can't tell you what those are unless you join the club and do the secret handshake. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Christians. I've had these kind of conversations with atheists. I've had these with you. But uh, no, this happened to be Christian. So part of the conversation was about about someone's moment of finding God, about what they had been through. And, uh, and then people were comparing, you know, experiences of prayer and of surrender. Talk, we were talking a lot about surrender. But then the conversation moved on. I mean, we were talking about Texas history. We talked about um, police officers and training. We And, and we talked about uh, uh, critical race theory, of course. We talked about woke ideology. Um, you know, we got into all these different Topics and it was just you know trans trans kids uh, 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 you know the state of public education um, changing working on yourself instead of focusing on the outside like focusing on improving yourself and prayer I mean it was just it was a good conversation so it was all over the place it was a good good it was all over the place and you know and then it's one of those things where people are breaking off and then these two are talking about this and then the, and then you jump back in and these three are here talking about this it was just so good i love that and we don't do enough of that and i, and I was thinking of uh, i've been thinking a lot of the book fahrenheit 451 the past few days which we read for club and i was thinking about the part of the book where the girl he meets who's awake says to him my uncle told me they used to have porches and the real reason they got rid of porches was because they didn't like people being around talking because things happen when people talk. And I thought that was very interesting. And, 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 you know, one of my friends there said afterwards, sent me a message and said, that was so great. That was the first time I've gotten to connect to people in a long time since the lockdown. And, you know, it was just, it was just a good um, example of, of I don't what you what we could all be doing more, more often if we if we free ourselves of all these shackles or the shackles of our own creation. And again, you can't have that with someone who has too much fear about what other people think of them. That's why you can't have that kind of conversation with woke people. They care That's too why much. It's difficult about to have online actually because people feel like they're being yeah. they're on stage. It's different to have, um, I mean, I know you've been on a lot of panels for conferences and stuff mm-hmm. in your career, as have I. 
the panel discussions are never as interesting as if you took the same group of people. In fact, often this has happened where we've yes. had like a pre-panel discussion just in a green room beforehand. And it's been really interesting or two of us will continue the discussion afterwards. And it's really interesting. But on the panel, it's different because everyone's aware that they're in the public spotlight and they've usually they have they often work for some company where there's a, you know, <laughs> there's a message they have to stick to or there's some, you know, there's some yeah. strategic reason they're on the panel and they've got to stick to that. Um but it's, it reminds me of some being online and having more, conversations on Twitter. Yeah, some Go people ahead. are more performative when there's an audience there also, like yes. showmanship. Uh, mm-hmm. There was one person on the panel I did recently who kept turning and speaking to the audience instead of to the other panelists. <laughs> and someone pointed <laughs> on the panel pointed that out like, hey, we're like sitting right here. <laughs> you can right. talk to us. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I think also sometimes people get well I anyway it's easier for me when I'm talking to you or other people on our show it's easier for me to forget that there is an audience because I don't see people and then it's, right. I can I can not only have more organic conversations but I also don't have a lot of the nerves that I have when I see people so th- there are also people who struggle on a panel with that they see everyone and then they're too yeah, self-conscious about how they sound and all that stuff. I'm still working on getting rid of that. But yeah, I get yeah, that issue too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You really have to get over your fear get or walk through your fear to the other side. Sometimes That's one thing that I, I'll say I looked for as an atheist, I moved to the Bay Area 21 years ago now and uh, over 21 years ago, I guess. And um I always, I was always looking for a community of people that wanted to have interesting conversations, and I never really found one that worked really well. I mean, you know, some friends, but I never really found one that was that provided what you're talking about on a regular basis. But I think it's super important. It's something that's valuable about churches if you can find that in a church, um, and you can find a community of like-minded people that want to sit around after church and have a four-hour discussion on the steps about whatever. Um, that can be really valuable. Uh, I, I, I tried the objectivist community briefly for a little while, but um, I there's some splinter objectivists that ended up f- forming a friendship circle that was actually interesting for for a while. But the main the main objectivist community was not very interesting, actually. And uh, and then those friends grew up and moved away. So, mm. um, yeah, I think it I think that there it would be nice if there was a secular analog to churches, but there's not really. Unless you I'm could come to church and just be a, uh, what is it my preacher calls? See you, for example, Carter, you're an atheist, but in some ways you live like a Christian. Oh, I know not in every way, but he, he talks about people who are practical Christians and then practical atheists. So for example, a, a Christian, someone who professes to be a Christian, but doesn't live like one is a practical atheist. <laughs> yeah. And someone who lives sort of as if they believe God exists the way Jordan Peterson talks about, but doesn't actually have a belief in the creator is a practical Christian. 
<laughs> this is why, actually, this is why I have pushed back and I always push back on people who claim they're agnostic because at the end of the day, you can't live agnostic. You live as if you believe there's a God or as if you don't believe there's a God. You don't live as if you're unsure. You can't live as if you're not sure. You, by default, your life, really? you live some particular way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like you could like think about gravity. If you lived, if you, if you lived as if you didn't believe in gravity, well, you would walk off of building roofs and like do a whole bunch of stuff. Eventually you'd die probably pretty quickly. But that's how one would live who didn't believe in gravity. If you do believe in gravity, you be care you're careful not to walk off the roof because you know that you'll fall and go splat on the pavement. But you can't really live your life saying I'm unsure about gravity. <laughs> like at some point you get to the edge of the building and you're like, well, you have to kind of make a bet. You can be like, well, I'm unsure about gravity, but I'm going to assume it's there. So I'm not going to step back or I'm going to assume it's fine and leap off. You can't actually live your life on the edge of the building. That's not how well, reality works. So everyone lives one way or another. They live as if there's a God or as if there isn't a God, regardless of what they profess with their mouths. Okay. What about, do you believe in ghosts? No. Okay. I'm rational. That's a pretty, you don't have to ask me questions <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't believe in leprechauns, ghosts, Ouija boards, <laughs> Zeus. You know, little green men. Let me me just give an example. I know some people who are agnostic about ghosts. They're like, I don't know if they exist or not. And so sometimes they might, they might live as if they don't exist. And other times they might live as if they do. For example, a house that looks scary. They might not go into that at night because it might be haunted, but another time they might go into another place. You know what I mean? They don't know. Well, you only, you only have to live you, you could only look at the instances where it would matter, right? So if I'm lying on my bed, I'm not making a choice about gravity one way or another, right? So sure, gravity's not relevant to me. But when it becomes relevant, <laughs> what choice do I make? Okay. Right? Like, so I guess, like, I guess you theoretically could have some, okay. who, someone who switches between sides and, be, and is like, well, when I'm in Massachusetts, creepy houses, I believe in ghosts. And when I'm in Connecticut, I don't believe in ghosts. Like you, you could have, or just based on my whim, if I've had, you know, too much to drink, I suddenly believe in ghosts. Like sh- certainly you, you could have people whose position changes, <laughs> but like at in the moment, there is a position, right? When confronted with the significance of the question as it pertains to your behavior in reality, you have a choice. You have only two choices. You don't have a non-choice, right? Uh, so you either, you go one way or the other. Like there's no third alternative in reality. Reality doesn't give you the alternative of, I abstain from this question about reality when confronted with it in a, in a real manner. Like you can abstain from the question again when you're sleeping in your bed. But, you know, when you're standing on the edge of the building and you're deciding whether to step off or not, well... Reality doesn't let you be agnostic about gravity. You make a choice one way or another. Interesting. Anyway, that was a side anyway. one. I don't know. Why, why'd you make me think of that? I forget. I don't even know. I don't know. But oh, because you were talking about, talk about atheists who live as Christians <laughs> and Christians who live as atheists. That's why. Right. Right. But now, now let's talk about leprechauns. I'm just kidding. Excellent. They obviously exist because (laughs) Lucky Charms. (laughs) We can move on. Um, 
Yeah, let's do Do you have stuff that you want to talk about today? Because there's one thing I definitely want to get to, but we don't have to do it first. Let's do your thing first. Let's go. Okay. Wow. Uh, There's an article that I think everyone should read, and it's called Origin of COVID, Following the Clues, and it's by a guy named Nicholas Wade. It's a long article, so we're not going to read it all today. But um, just before I pull it up on the screen, just as a, a recap shall we say. We have talked about, I remember making a video about COVID in February of last year, actually, um, where we brought up some of this as possibility or not possibility, weren't sure. I know we've talked about this since then. We've made a, we've talked about COVID, obviously, a lot. Um, and I don't remember what video it was, but I know we talked about the Wuhan Institute of Virology as a possible origin. And and I think I even remember talking about one of the people who had been there and then uh, like disappeared and like there's just a bunch of shadiness yeah. about. Remember that? And, remember, and then they took the all the doctors off the Wuhan lab. First, they yeah, took, they took, like, they, they took one her off the website off. and then, yeah. Then they took everyone. They scrubbed these doctors from the website. Yeah. So just let's rewind to remember Trump was president. And the mainstream media narrative was very similar to actually the vaccine narrative, which is any questioning what the official narrative is, is wrong and stupid and dumb and ignorant and possibly conspiratorial. And so uh, you you couldn't say, hey, I think this virus maybe escaped from a lab in Wuhan. That was considered a crazy conspiracy theory. And Trump was when he was calling it the China virus, he was being vilified as being a xenophobic jerk for blaming China uh, as the origin of this virus and how dare he. And he suggested a couple times that, hey, maybe the lab, we should look at the lab. Uh, And the mainstream media was all over this with righteous sanctimoniousness about how they're right and you're wrong and you're just a stupid Trumper conspiratorial idiot and listen to the elites and we're always right. I kind of forgot about the whole Wuhan Institute of Virology. I don't know if you did. It's not been on my mind for months. I forgot. No, I thought of it only because Brett Weinstein talks about it every once in a while. But Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. But I had forgotten about it. But here comes Nicholas, Nicholas Wade. <laughs> he decides. By the way, I read this piece. Act. Yeah. You did. It's a great piece, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so he decides he's going to start. He's going to write about this. And let's just pull this piece up for a moment. Uh, actually, I could have Beverly do it. I'm going to send it to Beverly and see if she can pull it up. So there it is, Beverly. Anyway, uh, it's called Origin of COVID Following the Clues. And the subtitle is Did People or Nature Open Pandora's Box at Wuhan? Now, of course, remember the official story has always been, and the one you're not never supposed to question, has always been that it was the wet market in Wuhan, that this was a bat virus that had crossed over to another species, and then that species was sold in a wet market in Wuhan, um, and that's how it entered in humans. And that's the way that um, recent MERS and that kind of stuff did actually enter the population, so this was a reasonable thing to, to guess. Now, 
these two theories, he tells it, if Beverly, if you scroll, it says a tale of two theories. He talks about these two theories. One is that this wet market theory, um, SARS-1 and MERS also, those were the two that, uh, that got transmitted at the wet mar- through the wet market. But, um, well, so, and then, so he, so then he's going to talk about why does the press say that this is the way it is? Why does the press, why did the press say, hey, we, it's definitely not from the lab. And if you'll recall, they didn't say it probably wasn't from the lab. They said, it's definitely not from the lab, you stupid slack-jawed Trump voter. Stop saying that, you xenophobe. That was the message. Okay, well, uh, there are a couple reasons. One was this letter. It starts, uh, if you want to scroll, Beverly, it starts with the phrase, we stand together. But there's this letter that says, we stand together strongly. This letter is from, um, this letter was from a virologist, a group of virologists in the Lancet. Now, let's, um, let's see what they say. We stand together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. A group of virologists and others wrote in the Lancet on February 19th, 2020. Um, now, of course, it was too. He points this out. It was way too early for anyone to have known at that point um, what the cause was. But they how, were, yeah. how could they? How could they know? That's what's amazing. They put out this letter right. saying we stand together, telling you. I mean, they may as well have said we stand together, telling you creation theory is real. I mean, it just you know they don't they don't know. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing that I was complaining about recently when the doctor was like, it's definitely fine to, for pregnant women to take this vaccine. It's like, how could you know that? There's just no possible, not enough time has passed for you to know the answer to that. Uh, so, and they say in this letter, scientists overwhelmingly conclude that this coronavirus originated in wildlife. Um, they said, with a stirring rallying call for readers to stand with Chinese colleagues on the front line of fighting the disease. Now, they also call it a conspiracy, which no one it doesn't need to be a conspiracy in order for it to have accidentally leaked from a lab. But of course, they need to paint it with the conspiracy brush because it makes you sound crazier. Now. Yeah, I One like thing his that line. Wasn't reported. Says, just, yeah. just really quickly, his mm-hmm. line. He says, contrary to the letter writer's assertion, the idea that the virus might have escaped from a lab invoked accident, not conspiracy. Not conspiracy. But you're right. Yeah. If if they can right. put that word on there, it's like, oh, you think people cooked this up and let it go on purpose? No. Right. <laughs> it makes you sound like a crazy person instead of a person who recognizes that something that he points out in this article, by the way. Viruses escape from labs all the time, all the time. It happens all the time. It is not an unusual thing for a virus to escape a lab. So um, anyway, one thing the press didn't do is any real digging on this letter. Now, it was a letter to the Lancet, as we mentioned. I'm just going to read this paragraph. It turned. It later turned out that the Lancet letter had been organized and drafted by Peter Daszak, Daszak, President of the Eco Health Alliance of New York. Okay. Dr. Dazak's organization funded coronavirus research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Hey, 
hey, that looks like, what's, what do they call that? Is that a conflict of interest? Maybe? Hmm. Uh, if the SARS-2 virus, that's the COVID, he's calling, the writer here calls the COVID-19 SARS-2. If the SARS-2 virus had indeed escaped from research he funded, Dr. Daszak would be potentially culpable. This acute conflict of interest <laughs> was not declared to the Lancet re- readers. To the contrary, the letter concluded, we declare no competing interests. Huh. Well, they that's lied. relevant, Andrew Cuomo, do you think? <laughs> yeah. They lied. They said something they couldn't possibly know, and then they lied. Yeah. Yeah. So, and by the way, th- this the author here is is pretty polite. This acute conflict of interest. Acute conflict of interest? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you think? It's a massive, massive, massive conflict of interest. Okay. So obviously he had a lot to, a lot at stake. The article goes on to say this this guy had a lot at stake uh, and didn't want people saying maybe it was the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The other thing that shaped mainstream um, press attitude and shaped the propaganda machine was a second statement which had um, I'm reading now a second statement which had enormous influence in shaping the public attitudes was a letter. In other words, an opinion piece, not a scientific article, published on the 17th of March in 2020 in the Journal of Nature Medicine. So a letter. There were both letters, by the way, not art like scientific articles that can be uh, that are peer reviewed. Its authors were a group of virologists led by Christian G. Anderson of the Scripps Research Institute. Quote, our analysis clearly show that SARS-CoV-2 is not a laboratory construct or a purposely manipulated virus, the five virologists declared in the second paragraph of the letter of their letter. Now that that's pretty that sounds pretty damning, right? Sounds like they did real research and they've proven. That's what it sounds like. Right? They say clear it clearly shows. Of course, if you read on, they get a little bit weaker when they start talking about their ideas. Um so The writer writes here, Nicholas Wade writes, true, some older methods of cutting and pasting viral genomes retain telltale signs of manipulation. So they were looking for these telltale signs that older methods of gene cutting leave. But newer methods called (laughs) noceum, what a great name. You guys couldn't think of anything better. Noceum or seamless approaches leave no defining marks. Nor do other methods for manipulating viruses, such as serial passage, which is basically when you move the virus from one cell culture to another. So if the viruses have been, been manipulated by either the seamless method or serial passage, there's no way of knowing that at all. So again, Dr. And I'm, I, Dr. Anderson and his colleagues were assuring their readers of something they could not know. That's a quote from Nicholas Wade. Dr. Anderson and his colleagues were assuring their readers of something they could not know. Right. Um, And he and he points out that their argument does get weak. They they go from clearly shows to it's improbable that it emerged, blah, blah, blah. Right. So they 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 kind of they they start with a very firm statement. And yeah, I like this part. He says. Yeah, he says the discussion part of their letter begins. It is improbable that it emerged through laboratory manipulation. And then he says, but wait, didn't the lead of the piece say the virus had clearly not been manipulated? You're right. Like, all it takes is him to point out their 
their difference of in language, like they're 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 obfuscating the fact that they don't know. They lead the headline. The lead is we know for a fact, and then when you get into the body of it, well, it's improbable. Yep, it's crazy. And then let me read. Uh, the two reasons the authors give, I'm, I'm reading from the article again. The two reasons the authors give for supposing manipulation to be improbable are decidedly inconclusive. First, they say that the spike protein of SARS-2 binds very well to his target, its target, the human ACE2 receptor, but does so in a different way from that which physical calculations suggest would be the best fit. Therefore, the virus must have arisen by natural selection. Now, just to really just to clarify that a little bit, basically what they're saying is, well, if you're going to construct a uh, a virus to bind to the ACE2 receptor, this isn't the ideal one. It works, but it's not the ideal one that you would like sit down and mathematically construct. But of course, as <laughs> Nicholas Wade points out, but this ignores the way that virologists do, in fact, get spike proteins to bind to chosen targets which is not by calculation, but by splicing in spike protein genes from other viruses or by serial passage. So basically they don't do it this way. So they didn't necessarily need to get that. It's a, it's a straw man, it's a ridiculous argument. Um, with serial passage, which is what they can use, each time the virus's progeny are transferred to new cell cultures or animals, the more successful are selected until one emerges that makes a highly tight bond to human cells. Natural selection has done all the heavy lifting, so it, you wouldn't be able to tell that this was human engineered. The Anderson paper's speculation about designing a viral spike protein through calculation has no bearing on whether or not the virus was manipulated by one of the other two methods. So the author's second argument here, uh, as Nicholas Wade, Wade says, is even more contrived. And this this argument, even more, I won't, yeah, I won't, yeah <laughs> even more than that. This I won't even I won't read the details. But basically, when you're manipulating viruses, you, you're gonna you, viruses use RNA, not DNA. So a lot of, and, and DNA is easier to manipulate. So they often basically transpose the RNA into a DNA. I don't know if that's the right verb, but do their manipulation and then and then transpose it back into an RNA. And there are several known what's called backbone, uh, DNA backbones that are used for this kind of thing. And um, their argument basically amounts to, well, this virus doesn't appear to be using some of the backbones that are common and known and published. Well, that just means that an unpublished backbone was used. They're not that hard to create so Big deal. That's their argument. That's it. Those are their two arguments. So um, the question that Nicholas Wade asks is why didn't other virologists point out that the Anderson Group's argument was full of absurdly, absurdly large holes? And he points out something that I think is just worth pausing on here because it's, you know, we talk about the difference between scientists and science. And let's just remember Scientists are humans. I'm going to quote from Nicholas Wade. Articles in the mainstream press repeatedly stated that a consensus of experts had ruled lab escape out of the question or extremely unlikely. Their authors relied for the most part on these two letters. Um, oh, sorry. I'm reading the wrong part. Perhaps because in today's universities, speech can be very costly. 
Careers can be destroyed for stepping out of line. Any virologist who challenges the community's declared views risks having his next grant application turned down by the panel of fellow virologists that advises the government grant distribution agency. Bingo, bingo, bingo. And I want to, I just, this is a general statement I want to make about science. I know a lot of people, even on this show, a lot of supporters like the idea of government funding scientific research, government funding stuff. They like the idea of of this. And and people tend to like the idea of government funding pure scientific research and art. Those are two things that for some reason people seem to think are important government functions. Um, let's put art aside for a moment. But one of the problems you get with government funding science is you end up with a government bureaucracy um, that controls who gets the money to do the scientific funding. And when you end up with a bureaucracy like that, uh, you absolutely end up with pressures like Nicholas Wade is talking about where, well, there's there's some kind of consensus. It's accepted in the bureaucracy. You, you also end up with an entire industry that kind of relies on government funding because it's been set up to rely on that funding. So um, I don't know what the heck's going on with Beverly's screen. There we go. Uh, <laughs> you end up with the whole industry that's set up like this. So scientists are not impartial uh observers who have no personal interest in the narrative often they have a, a very deeply vested personal personal interest in the narrative which we'll get to in a moment one scientist in particular uh in this article later but they often have a personal interest in this so um so these articles were or these these letters the the Daznak or sorry Dazak and Anderson letters um which Nicholas Wade calls political and not scientific statements, um, were very effective. Press, the press ran with these. The press uh, started to push out this narrative that it's definitely not an escaped virus. So, um, fortunately, there's been some re-interest, renewed interest in investigating this. So let's read this. Natural emergence was the media's preferred theory, right, because of these letters, until around February 2021. So this is a year later, basically. And a visit by a World Health Organization commission to China. Now, this their visit was heavily controlled by Chinese officials, obviously, and what they got to see was controlled very well because it's China. But as Nicholas writes, what became clear was that the Chinese had no evidence to offer the commission in support of the natural emergence theory. Okay, that's interesting. And this is surprising because for both SARS-1 and MERS, uh, there was plenty of evidence in the environment around to show that they were... um, naturally emerged that they naturally emerged within four months after SARS ones they had SARS one they had identified the um the host uh and with and for MERS it was within nine months but you know we're well over a year uh after COVID 15 months when they did this um trip to China here and still no actual evidence of the natural emergence in fact uh, there's actually evidence 
that it's not natural emergence. So I'm going to skip over a whole bunch of this article here and and summarize a large part of it, which is just designed to explain that there are valid reasons or at least um, arguments for why they would be manipulating viruses to do this. The, the, the idea is that they, they're trying to prevent or get ahead of nature. So this kind of stuff obviously does happen in nature and their idea is the idea is if we do this research well we can kind of get ahead of it and maybe prevent the next thing or have a response to the next thing so that's the justification um for doing this and there is a researcher there that you've probably heard of um dr xi zhengli or she is commonly known as bat lady uh bat lady does research on coronaviruses from bats and manipulating them. Uh, in fact, by the way, she te- this is this yeah. is the this is the part of the movie where things start to get really interesting. If you, I know yes. this is a long article, but it's it, actually if you read it, Medium gives you read time. It's like forty five minutes to read this article. It is worth it. It's as interesting totally. as the movie Outbreak. And by the way, I was going to say, just like you said, it only took them a few months to find the uh, uh, what was it to find the host species of SARS one. And of MERS, mm-hmm. and it only MERS. took them nine months and four months for 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 Stars One. I remember with the movie Outbreak, they found that little monkey within a couple of weeks. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> where does Dustin Hoffman really, come in this? Yeah, when, uh, where does Dustin Hoffman? But this is when it gets really good. So strap in, guys. Okay. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll yeah. And he, I know. Thank you for pointing that out, Carrie. I know. I know it can get laborious, but there's a reason for all this, right? Because yeah, man. I mean, okay, here we go. So Dr. She teamed up with Ralph S. Barrick. So this is the Bat Lady. Bat Lady teams up with Ralph Barrick, an eminent coronavirus researcher at the University of North Carolina. Yes, that's in the United States. They Their work focused on enhancing the ability of bat viruses to attack humans. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so as to, quote, examine the emergent potential. Um... Uh, Okay, and what she did with uh, help from her friend here, uh, she created the, I'm just going to read the letters, SHC014-COVID-SARS-1 virus, which is a conglomeration of two viruses. It's It's a genome that contains genetic material from two strains of virus. And I'm going to quote again from this article, if the SARS-2 virus were to have been cooked up in Dr. Xi's lab, then its direct prototype would have been the SHC014-COVID-SARS-1 chimera. So she she did make the precursor to this, the thing that would be exactly what you'd expect. She did make that. Um, So that's kind of interesting. And they were doing this thing called gain-of-function research which you'll hear about. Gain-of-function research is where you're trying to figure out how to make a virus basically more viral, gain functions, uh, so it can it can be more virulent. Um, so they're working on this. Now, here's the interesting thing. So she used a lot of these methods. None, none of these methods are kind of weird. But here's, here's the really strange thing. Her work was funded by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases as part of the U.S. National Institutes of Health. What? 
Just, just pause. Bat ladies work doing gain of function research on coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China was funded by your tax dollars from the National Institute of Health. That's what happened. Now, fortunately, um, well, actually, here let's let's read her the the grant. So, grants were assigned to the prime contractor, Doctor Dayzak of the Eco Health Alliance. Hey, I know that name, who subcontracted them to Doctor Xi. Here are extracts from the grants for fiscal years just to, 2018 Just to remind and everyone, just to remind everyone for short attention span, who's Doctor Dayzak? He's the one that got all the doctors to sign a letter right after the the news of coronavirus broke, saying we all know we all know conclusively that this came out of nature and not from a lab, and we have no competitive interests. Right, exactly. He's that guy. He's the guy that he's that guy, <laughs> right? He is that guy. He also says some other interesting things later, but he's that guy. So. Here is the grant request from Dr. Shi and Dr. Dazak. They're going to quote test predictions of COVID interspecies transmission, predictive models of host range, i.e., emergence potential, will be tested experimentally using reverse genetics. By the way, that's the DNA backbone thing we talked about. Pseudovirus and receptor binding assays and virus infection experiments across a range of cell cultures from different species and humanized mice. They have mice that they have. Um, that have uh, human ACE2 receptors on them so they can do testing on the mice and see what would happen in humans. We'll use spike protein sequence data, infectious clone technology, in vitro and in vivo infection experiments and analysis of receptor binding to test the hypothesis that percent divergence threshold in spike protein sequences predict spillover potential. I know that's a mouthful, but basically this means she's going to try and create some novel, no, uh, uh, some novel coronaviruses. Right? She's going to try and make them very infectious. That's what she's going to do with this grant money from your uh, tax. Very, dollars. very infectious, specifically for humans. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, for humans. For humans. Mm -hmm. She set out to create novel coronaviruses with the highest possible infectivity for human cells. Her plan mm -hmm. was to take genes that coded for spike proteins possessing a variety of measured affinities for human cells ranging from high to low. I mean, for highest infectivity for humans. Okay, I don't know. Right. Go ahead. So she puts <laughs> these in and she cultures them. So so in vitro, she cultures them in, in, in uh, a Petri dish and in vivo, in mice. So, okay. Here we go. So... <laughs> She did everything. She would be doing everything. There's really not anything she would she would have done if she was intentionally producing this. The track that like the trail wouldn't look any different. <laughs> this is very suspicious looking. And I I'm not saying by the way at all that there was an intentional release of this. I think it was probably an accident. But this is the work that they were doing. Yeah, I don't think I, that's the thing. Again, they try and confuse just like. Just like right now, um, they're engaging in word manipulation of words where if you don't want to get an experimental vaccine that doesn't have any longitudinal studies yet, an mRNA vaccine, they're calling you an anti-vaxxer. They're muddying the waters 
It's like some people I just wait and see and be able to see a study first. I mean, geez, what maybe would like to have the FDA approve it, you know, like, but so they're calling you anti-vaxxers. And the same thing, if you even, if you even question, if you say, Hey, what's the potential that this came from a lab? They're like, Oh, you think you're a crazy conspiracy theory. And you, you think they let this out on purpose. No, that's not necessary to think that at all. It, you can, I, I would also be a person who thought it's more likely that if it came from a lab, that it also was released accidentally, which, as you pointed out, happens all the time. Viruses escape accidentally all the time. Yeah, we'll look at the Wuhan lab in a moment about with that in mind in particular. But, hey, why don't we just take a look at what Dr. Xi was doing? Well, let's read the next sentence. It cannot yet be stated that Dr. Xi did or did not generate SARS-2 in her lab because, hey, her records have been sealed. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here, folks. Record sealed, but definitely didn't happen here. But you can't look. Uh, trust us. Hey, the Chinese government sealed some records, but they're not hiding anything. But wait a minute. Did, doesn't our tax dollars, the National Institute of Health, pay for this research? Can't we unseal those records? Why? Maybe Apparently Biden not. could write a letter like he did about the records for Tara, about Tara Reid. Well, once we read further in the article, you'll see why <laughs> actually – uh, the people in charge might not want these records unsealed, Carrie. <laughs> so, oh, but, uh, but we are we are the people in charge. We are tax dollars. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> you think we're in charge? That's cute. Um, <laughs> Carrie's the cow in the barn who's like, "We're in charge. There's more of us." Yeah. Yeah. All right. I didn't mean to just call you a cow. I could have picked a different. Actually, Is there a cuter farm I've, animal? I feel like. Uh, for for articles that people might find laborious to read, you should. I'm like your hype man, like in a rap video. So I'm gonna let you keep reading it. I'm gonna jump in every once in a while to play the part of the hype man. So keep going. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. No, no, it's a good idea. I agree. Okay, so um, let's just read what again. This is just another scientist, so he's not necessarily correct, but uh, he right the Dr. Um, Richard. E. Bright, a molecular biologist at Rutgers University and a leading expert on biosafety, says it is clear that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was systematically constructing novel chimeric coronaviruses and was assessing their ability to infect human cells and human ACE2 expressing mice. Just in case you don't know, that's exactly how the SARS-2 coronavirus works. Um, it's also clear, he says, that depending on the constant genomic context chosen for analysis, this work could have produced SARS-CoV-2 or a proximal progenitor of SARS-CoV-2. Um, so genetic genomic context refers to the particular viral backbone used as the test bed for spike proteins. We talked about those before. So, remember Dr. Dazak, who has who you know was the guy that with the letter and funded some of this research. Now, for the past fifteen months, he's been saying, "Hey." Uh, it's a ludicrous conspiracy theory that anything could escape the lab. You're just a crazy, only Alex Jones would say that, right? Now, it turns out this is this is one of my favorite parts of this because it's such a, uh, he's got to be kicking himself for this interview. So on December 9th, 2019, so this is right before people knew actually about the outbreak. He gave an interview. And then in the interview, he says, "Again, this is Dr. D. For anyone following along, this is Dr. Yes. D. What's his name? Dazik. Uh, Dazik. 
And we this have is Dr. D, found- the one who got them to write the letter saying there's no way it came from a lab. It came, right. We have no conflict of interest, Dr. D. Okay. This is right before that. He says, and we have now found, you know, after six or seven years of doing this, over 100 new SARS-related coronaviruses very close to SARS. Some of them get into human cells in the lab. Some of them can cause SARS disease in humanized mice models and are untreatable with therapeutic monoclonals. And you can't vaccinate against them with the vaccine. So they're a clear and present danger. <laughs> this is what he's saying about his own research happening. Yeah, um, we're doing that. Well, you know, we can manipulate coronaviruses. Hey, spike proteins drive a lot of what happens with coronaviruses. Oh, do they now, doctor? Thank you. Um, so he, he talks about this stuff. And um, obviously, instead of giving any information to anyone as soon as the coronavirus was COVID-19 was discovered, uh, he just launched into a public relations campaign. Uh, and he says, the idea that this virus escaped from a lab is just pure baloney. It's simply not true. <laughs> okay. Um, but the article goes on to history of things escaping from labs. Now, let's just talk about this for a moment. There's four levels of, of bio biolab safety, I guess. Um, and they are creatively named, named BSL1, BSL2, BSL3, and way, BSL4. Wait, before you go ahead. to this about the levels of mm-hmm. safety, I just want to... As your hype man, I'd like to underline that question from the interviewer that he was responding to. The question was, and I just find this question really interesting now, considering we're right now. But the interviewer says, quote, you see these are diverse coronaviruses and you can't vaccinate against them. And no antivirals. So what do we do? Yeah. So what do we do? Okay, that's the question. And you can't vaccinate. Okay, uh, that's all. No, that's true. The answer is we turn authoritarian and you wear five masks. Um, Okay, so there's these four levels of safety. BSL 1, 2, 3, and 4. 4 is the highest. 4 is for like if you're handling Ebola, you get BSL 4. Um, Now, people have talked, well, the Wuhan lab is, it's a BSL 4 lab. Um, Well, that's true, uh, except for much of Dr. Xi's work on gain-of-functioning coronavirus was performed at the BSL-2 safety level because no one likes working at BSL-4. It's a pain in the ass, as she stated in her own publication and documents. In an interview, she says the coronavirus research in our laboratory is conducted on BSL-2 or BSL-3. And that basically is, you know, you wear some goggles and gloves and whatever, but you're not like in the whole Dustin Hoffman outbreak hazmat suit thing. You're not like sticking your hands through the 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 holes in the the glass wall with the gloves and doing stuff. It's not that level. It's you know, you you wear your gloves. You some hand sanitizer on. You you wear your you probably wear a mask, um, that kind of stuff. So that's the level uh, that she was doing this research in. And here we go. Now, here we are a year later. Here's a fact sheet issued by the State Department. The United States State Department, January 15th, 2021, quote, the U.S. government has reason to believe that several researchers inside the Wuhan Institute of Virology became sick in autumn of 2019 before the first identified cases of the outbreak with symptoms consistent with both COVID-19 and and also common seasonal illnesses. Hey, that's a piece of data. That's some evidence. Weren't people talking about that before? Yeah, people were talking about that there were other cases from the lab before the wet um, market, but 
we were crazy conspiracy theorists, Alex Jones people, when we said it. But now the State Department, now that they've gotten what they've wanted and there's mask, there's mask mandates, they've locked down, they've destroyed the economy, and everyone's getting injected with viruses or with um, vaccines. Now, now they can say, "Oh yeah, it turns out um, maybe some people from the bar, the the lab, were sick first. Okay. Three people working at the BSL-3 lab at the Institute fell sick within a week of each other with severe symptoms that required hospitalization. This was the first known cluster that we're aware of, of victims of what we believe to be COVID-19, says David Asher, fellow of the Hudson Institute and former consultant to the State Department. Interesting. Interesting. So um, they go through the origins that kind of stuff. So, I kind of want to skip so for, ahead. So for Go people ahead. who believe that this originated in nature, um, you've got this official, a fellow of the Hudson Institute, former consultant to the State Department, saying that these three people working in that lab became sick. And that was the first known cluster they're aware of, of victims of what they believe was COVID-19. So if you believe that it came from nature, you have to believe it just like, oh, it's a coincidence that three people in that lab caught it from the wet market. Maybe one of them went to the wet market and then brought it to the lab. I don't, I just think that's interesting. Well, I'm going to skip over a whole bunch of the article because as you said, it is long, but we're going to get to another interesting Hey, there's another there's another character in this saga who you actually know, but you'll be surprised rears his ugly head uh, here again. So you might ask why they're funding this kind of a research, this gain of function research, because it sounds a little bit dangerous. And it is. And I understand the justification for doing it. I'm, I don't have an opinion one way or another. Uh, but um, there was kind of this ban on funding the research. Uh, but there was a loophole in the band. So let's read this. The moratorium, this is from, this is the NIH moratorium. The moratorium specifically barred funding any gain of function research that increased the pathogenicity, i.e. like uh, I was going to spread and, and make you sick, of the flu, MERS, or SARS viruses. Pretty clear. But then a footnote on page two of the moratorium document states that, quote, an exception from the research pause may be obtained if the head of the USG funding agency determines that the research is urgently necessary to protect the public health or national security. Hmm. 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 I'm going to quote this next one, which will introduce your favorite character. This is a paragraph I'm quoting. This seems to mean that either the director of the NIAID, Dr. Anthony Fauci, or the directory of the NIH, Dr. Francis Collins, or maybe both, would have invoked the footnote in order to keep the money following flowing to Dr. Xi's gain-of-function research. Let's be clear. It may have been, it looks like it could have been just this Collins guy. We don't know. But either Fauci or this Collins guy or both needed to sign off on this exception to funding this research, which very well could be the origin of COVID-19. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Alex Jones could come up with a better story. I just, I mean, it may not be gay frogs involved in this one, but man, there you go. 
quote, this is from Dr. Richard uh, Ebright, who we quoted earlier. Unfortunately, the NIAID director and the NIH director exploited this loophole to issue exemptions to projects subject to the pause. The pause is that moratorium I talked about. Preposterously asserting the exempted research was urgently necessary to protect public health or national security. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. In his view, the two officials have, um, quote, systematically thwarted efforts by the White House, the Congress, scientists, and science policy specialists to regulate gain-of-function research of concern. There's more to this article, um, but I kind of just wanted to get to the point of introducing Dr. Fauci here and say, hey, this is all very interesting. Uh, we funded the research. Fauci signed off on an exemption to get the research done. Uh, people got sick at the Wuhan Institute of Virology before the the wet market. And the person responsible for managing the funding, the guy with the, the guy with the grant, organized a pseudoscientific protest letter which was picked up by the mainstream media, urging all of us that anyone who dare suggest that it came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology was a crazy conspiracy theorist. Here's the thing. And no, matter, no matter what you think about where this virus may have emerged, uh, we don't know. But we do know that that letter was an act of propaganda. That letter was a piece of propaganda. And they stated things they could not possibly know, and they lied about having a conflict of interest. Yeah, I mean, so this is that this is the. We can take it off the screen now, Beverly, because I'm not going to read anymore. Um, this is the this is the thing I want to really stress here is it the details of the science they matter if you want to investigate what's going on, like the details obviously matter, um, but they don't matter to the extent that you can demonstrate bad behavior on the part of the people speaking. And so people writing these kind of letters saying we absolutely know X, Y, and Z, well, we know that they didn't absolutely know, that they could not possibly have absolutely known that, and there's counter evidence at this point, a lot of counter evidence. In fact, I'm not going to tell you what to believe in terms of where the virus came from, but I'll tell you, for me, I, I look at the two sides of the evidence and I go, oh, it probably came from the lab. I mean, it probably was accidental and it probably came from the lab. Like, why would that not be the case? And it would make sense. It would make sense either way for the propagandists to get out in front of it and say it definitely didn't come from the lab, whether or not they knew it, because they their reputations and everything would be on the line and like that that would not be good for them so um it makes sense that they would get out in front of it but i just, I just wanted love to that fauci is involved in this <laughs> well of course he is and uh, let me read something real quick this is not a super chat but mm -hmm. oceana 23 says quote let me be perfectly clear i did not have virological relations with that lab Dr. Fauci, 2022. <laughs> you win, Oceana. That was awesome. <laughs> and then this is also not a super chat, but I'm reading it because I like this quote. Dion posted a quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, which I've read before. He says, we know they are lying. They know they are lying. 
They know that we know they are lying. We know they know we know they are lying and they still continue to lie. Yes. They still continue to lie. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, this just a public service announcement. It's a reminder that just because people in lab coats emphatically yell things at you and tell you you're a moron and that there's consensus and uh, CNN agrees does not mean that it's true. Um, and by the way, we you know already what we know. needed in media. We needed some Alex Jones in mainstream media. We needed oh someone my. that was like, I need to really, I'm going to put my conspiracy hat on here and dig. We needed, we needed more Alex Joneses last year looking into this. I don't think you're allowed to say that on YouTube, but, uh, we, what, one of the things I was going to say is, uh, Fauci, Fauci coming up yes. in this. So, so we now know Dr. D and is a liar. The guy who organized that letter saying, here, we're a bunch of scientists. And we say it, it had to come from nature. No conflict of interest. Right. Lie. Um, Fauci is on the record as a liar. He told us, and, and I don't care what a person's reasons are. Once they've admitted to you that they're a liar and then they give you a really good reason, a really good reason for why they lied. It's like, but you're an admitted liar. So why would I trust you about anything now? Fauci told us not to wear masks. He went on interviews saying, don't wear masks. There's no reason to wear a mask. Don't worry. Don't worry about this virus. He said, Americans don't need to alter their daily lives at all. Back when, back when they could have been recommending that people voluntarily do something, he didn't suggest that we do anything voluntarily. In fact, he said, Americans don't need to do anything. Don't need to do anything different at all. And don't wear masks. It's not going to help. It doesn't help with spreading in a pandemic. It doesn't help. Then later when he said, okay, well now suddenly I didn't, I didn't encourage you to do anything voluntary, you know, taking personal responsibility. Well, now suddenly we're all, all those same people were like, now we're going to say the government needs to step in instead of letting you do something voluntary and encouraging that. Now the government needs to step in mask mandates, lockdowns, et cetera. Then Fauci says you must wear a mask, et cetera. When he was asked why he said he lied but he lied because he had a very good reason. He said he lied and he told us not to wear masks because his very good reason was he thought that we would run out of masks for healthcare workers. Now, I don't even believe that, that that was his reason because again, oh, I, admitted I liar, admitted liar. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair enough. It, yeah, I, I do believe that might've been his reason. I remember at the time because um, you remember that I was like, paranoid before everyone else about the virus um, and we yeah. had masks and all this kind of stuff but we were also paying attention to what was going on in China and there was um, there was a shortage there was a very big concern of shortage of masks and like we worked with some people about like trying to import masks and get stuff like there was a concern that we would run out of masks and um, I remember when Fauci said that uh, <laughs> and it was like why is he saying this I don't know why I didn't put the two and two together at the time but I didn't but it makes sense. He just didn't want people because there were people buying a bunch of masks um, who weren't doctors. We bought a bunch of masks. We weren't doctors. Now, of course, as more information came out, I became the opposite on the, my COVID analysis. Right. And so for uh, anyone who's new but, to this show, Carter locked his family down voluntarily in like January of 2020 or something. And when he on occasions, he would go outside. He was wearing gloves. 
gloves and a mask at the, when nobody in California was. He was the weirdo wearing gloves and a mask at the gas station. And now he's the weirdo not wearing a mask when he goes outside and all those zombies are wearing them now. It's so funny. I went, You're Carrie, always I, was the, on a, <laughs> I went on a five-hour hike yesterday. So I was like, you know, I'm not boondocks, boondocks, but it was, you know, not, I didn't see many people, right? The few people I saw, they were wearing masks. Like, I don't understand. There's literally no one as far as the eye can see. And you're like, wearing a fucking mask. What is wrong with you? Like, Gross. Like, Gross. So outside, too. Outside is the worst. I'm like, what is wrong with you? The <laughs> I was walking. Okay, I was walking in my in my little town. I think I've told you before. It's starting to get a little woke. There's a lot of awesome people moving up here, and I was walking back from the dog park, which is a nice walk in the in the middle of nowhere. I'm on a sidewalk with nothing but trees on either side. There's a road that's pretty much empty trees, and this is a few days ago. And this girl is coming down the hill towards me. And first of all, bright blue hair. I was like, okay, it doesn't, it's not, it's not conclusive that that means she's going to be an SJW, but it sometimes it does correlate. It's correlated. So bright blue hair. And I could see she had on her t-shirt a bunch of words. And I was like, strong likelihood that those are activist words. (laughs) And so, and then when she got close to me, I could see it was some big, you know, LGBT something you know, giving my rights, blah, blah. I don't know. It was something, it was something in your face. Stop erasing my LGBT. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, and, and, but, but I didn't read the words because as she got close to me, she had been talking on the phone and it was just me and my dog. There's no one anywhere, anywhere in sight. We're on a, we're outside and trees as she's talking on the phone, as she walks by me, she gets, puts the phone down and puts a mask over her face to walk by. <laughs> and I, I think she thought that I would be like, Oh, you know, like, thank you for being considerate. And I just couldn't help. But my face was like, (laughs) 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 it's gross. What is wrong with you? That's what I think. (laughs) The other thing is in California, like, especially here, almost everyone's vaccinated. (laughs) Like we're like, the. it's like vaccination is the religion here. So I, I bet these people were walking yeah. around vaccinated outside by themselves with masks. It's just. Which, which there was an article that understand. just came out that points out that you, if you believe in the efficacy of the vaccine, well, you sure aren't convincing those people in the vaccine hesitant group, 20% of vaccine hesitant people, you're not convincing them because they're looking at you going, wait, you had the vaccine and you're still wearing the mask. So why do I need to get it? Clearly it doesn't work. <laughs> anyway. uh, let's do some super right, let's chats. Do some, let's do some, yeah, let's do some super chats. Uh, I'm going to read Pirate Tomsky because it's on screen. It's one of the only ones I can see. I simply cannot believe that government officials would ever lie to the public. There's no evidence in the history of humanity for that, right? Hmm. Carrie doesn't like sarcasm, Pirate Tomsky. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> but it's okay. It's Pirate Tomsky. He can do whatever he wants. Carrie loves sarcasm. Carrie um, loves sarcasm. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. No, it's fine. All right, Roger H. gave us uh, just a thumbs up. Thank you, Roger. He was the first super chat of the day. Um, Christopher Gorey says... 
It'd be a real tragedy if the virus closed Olive Garden. They have free breadsticks. And that apparently is a quote from Chrissy Mayer. I didn't know that. I did know that Olive Garden had free breadsticks, though. Uh, I'll fight you naked. Wait, says, did he say, wait, did he say what? a quote from Chrissy Mayer? Yeah. I'm delayed a little, sorry. Um, this is a great time for me to plug. I just I just got to meet Chrissy Mayer and we did an episode in person this time and it's gonna be um it's gonna be out on her channel tomorrow. So if you guys okay. are fans of it's called The Wet Spot with Chrissy Mayer, it's on Compound Media and it was fun. We sat down in Austin and did the 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 episode together. And if you're not a fan of her, you should check her out. She's a comedian who is blessedly not woke. And she has a lot of interesting people on her her show, too. So nice. anyway. And she likes Olive Garden. Uh, I'll Fight You Naked says, I'm Iron Dome Sexual. That system is awesome. This It sounds like you're reading the stuff from that a couple episodes ago. Um, I'm not sure what stuff, you're, that system you're talking about. Oh, the system from, okay. Why Bother says, Acute Conflict of Interest. I know a place where there's another acute conflict of interest, and then they put an Israeli flag. <laughs> yeah, we should get into the whole Israeli-Palestinian thing going on. Uh, the gay rascal says, be precise in your language, um, which he's attributing to Jordan Peterson. Um, M. Tax Shark says, remember, there's a difference between science and hashtag science. The latter is usually screamed by people with BAs in fill-in-the-blank studies. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It is true probably that most of the people yelling trust the science are yelling to people with degrees in the science fields at like from from their non-science degreed place. <laughs> that's that's uh, wouldn't be surprising. Um, Tatiana says, hi, guys and everyone. Been a while. Missed you. Hey, Tatiana. Welcome back. Uh, I am so happy to see Tatiana here. I'm really happy to see you, lady. So thank you. You just like redheads. No. <laughs> Wait, I've got a picture to send you. Go ahead. Keep okay. going. Tarmanel says, thank you for keeping me sane. Small contribution to the unsafe operation. Thank you. Appreciate it. Every contribution helps. Uh, Power Tomsky says, is this the episode that gets Kofefi Break banned on YouTube? I don't, you know, I was thinking that as we were talking, but I'm just reading an article which is still on Medium and um, I'm not saying, I didn't say don't get the vaccine. You can get the vaccine, sure, I, if you want to. <laughs> like, we didn't, uh, this is all very, I guess I'm being naive. I'm, I'm like, oh, this is all facts. Yeah, it's all facts, but you're right. Maybe we'll get banned anyway. Uh, G-Man says, I started losing my sense of taste last week, so I got a COVID test. Turns out I had just been chewing my gum too long and I needed a fresh stick. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm glad that worked out for you, G-Man. John Platt says, hi, Carter and Carrie. I love listening to your live streams as you always deal with the subjects that mainstream media tiptoe around. Keep up the good work. Thanks, John. Finest City Cycling says, uh, Fraudshi was responsible in part for screwing up the response to AIDS in the 80s. Classic no-skin-in-the-game bureaucrat. I didn't know about his his uh, AIDS response stuff, but I do, I do want to pause on the phrase no-skin-in-the-game. Uh, that's the problem with government funding of things and bureaucracies. They, the people doing it don't have skin in the game. Bureaucrats do not have skin in the game. Um, 
And skin in the game is important because it affects your decision making. It affects your risk reward calculations in your head, right? So another example of someone who doesn't have skin in the game, Wall Street execs who know they're going to get bailed out. If they know they're going to get bailed out, they can take high risks, get the profit when the risks pay off. And when those risks fail, as they did in 2008, 2009, get checks from you, from, from the government, to bail them out and socialize their losses. That removes their skin in the game. It's fine to be a risky investor. It's totally fine. But that means you need to take the, the negative consequences as well as the positive ones. And when you don't, you no longer have skin in the game. Tatiana says, what, they lied? No, say it isn't so. Doctors, scientists, and politicians would never lie. They are becoming beacons of truth, don't you know? I could not keep a straight face while typing that. <sighs> yeah. I'm with can you. I why bothers says, yeah, can you hear us? Can you see why bothers? Um, I've got one from why bother. It says there's an outbreak of homemade songs about Fauci. And then they are wondering how come so many people were following a certain dictator 80 years ago. <laughs> right. Um, Cult keep of going. personality. You're, you're, you're caught up. Cult you of personality. You want. Zach, Zach Adamson says, also, from an evolutionary point of view, viruses that adapt into a new host usually take a little time to learn to spread. That is true. This virus started mm. out as an expert on spreading among humans. Thank mm, you. Interesting Zach. point. Um, bun for bun. This is this one. I love this one, bun for bun. It says, bright colors, creatures way of telling us that they're dangerous. <laughs> Be thankful for hair dye. <laughs> this is true. They're toxic. This makes me think of uh, tree frogs. Yeah, tree no, yeah. tree frogs, the ones that are poisonous, they're brightly colored. Mm -hmm. um, okay, yeah. and then why bother? Again, says after this ends, in addition to Jainists, there will be another religious group that would always wear masks. I don't mm -hmm. know who Jainists are. I'm, I guess I'm. I think they're really just group little, who wears masks, I believe. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing. Marie Busky also uh, put money in the swear jar. Thank you, Marie. Probably that was my fault. Uh, and Andrew Joyner says, great suggestion, Kate Herzog, funny girl. Katie Herzog. Which one is Katie Herzog? I don't Do you know her? Oh, gosh. I know that person, but it's going to take me a second. I mean, the name's familiar, but it's not coming to me. So, sorry. Okay. Anyway. Oh, he's replying to Katie Herzog, I think. I don't know. Anyway, Chrissy Mayer, okay. funny girl, episode coming out tomorrow. And also Friday, I'm going to be on Friday Night Tights. With, oh, this Friday? Yeah, this Friday with those fun lads. And I think we'll be talking about, I, I, anyway, I know we're going to be talking about some fun stuff. So I hope you guys tune in. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, um, I think we made it through Super Chats. We can move on to other topics if we want. Uh, I'm reading chat a little bit myself right now. Did you know, Carrie, that today is apparently, wait, let me get the right language for it. Uh, today is International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, Interphobia, and Transphobia. I bet you didn't know that. Well, I'm surprised, it's, I'm surprised they limit it to one day. Seems kind of I, restrictive. I want a minarchist phobia day. 
Is that too much to ask? Yeah. For all those people who don't like small government, um, you're just you're small government phobic. And it's difficult to come out of the closet as someone who doesn't like big government. I feel oppressed and I would like a day. <sighs> um, That's right. something that is really disturbing. Okay. I don't know, because uh, we were in because, such a good mood. Because the conspiracy to suppress the origin of a virus is not disturbing at all. What do you what you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is all disturbing. We live in the upside down. You just have to have you just have to laugh about it. So uh, this is disturbing on a just on a visceral level, though. OK, I'm sending this to you and Beverly. And I know several people have already seen this, um, but uh, I don't think Carter has because he doesn't spend as much time on social media. See if you can open that tweet. I do not. I can open the tweet. Speaking of, when you said today's day, the day against transphobia. What the hell is this? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so this has been happening for a while. I've actually seen, I've seen stuff like this before. I haven't always shared it because I think it's really disturbing. But um, this one in particular, I saw, I saw a lot of people sharing it because it's, these are knitted. And so in the knitting world, some of the knitters were commenting on this. But basically, within this whole SJW ideology, for the people in the ideology that are working very hard at trying to um, trying to get your children, <laughs> trying to harm your children, they, uh, they say it's, well, first of all, they say that 100% of kids need to, gr- need to figure out if they're trans or not, which is not true. Historically, less than 1% of people have ever been, you know, less than 1% of the population is trans. You don't need kids in elementary school to be learning about trans, whether they're deciding if they're trans or cis. It's something that 99.99% of kids never have to grapple with. But but they're already doing that. They're teaching kids about trans identity and like, oh, you have to make a decision. You need to decide if you're trans or not. They're introducing this to children. One of the other things they're introducing is the belief that they say that if you're um, if you're young, you can get started in your new. If you decide you are trans, you can get started in your new gender identity with these uh, packing kits. Packing is when packing is when tra- so 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 women biological women who want to become men will sometimes do binding, which is where they wrap fabric around their breasts and try and minimize the appearance of their breasts. They'll do binding and they'll do packing, which is where, when they wear it's, they wear a, a, a fake penis in their underwear, like a dildo or something in their underwear, and make it look like they have a bulge. These are for children. They're tiny knitted penises to give your daughter. If you're a woke parent with a daughter who thinks she's a boy and for her to wear this in her underwear. And I'm sorry, Carter, I knew it was going to be disturbing. I, 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 I Yeah, I don't even I can't even say anything about this. I know. I know. It's gross. It's evil. This is the, there's nothing there's no other word for this. It's evil. You are sexualizing children. I don't care how you try and dress it up. I don't care what lipstick you put on the pig. I don't care about how you try and hide it behind. You care about protecting kids and you don't care about kids. You don't care about kids. You're grooming them. You're using them. You're exploiting them. You're harming them. 
this isn't good for children. <laughs> like, so. I, I just, I, I, yeah, that's really bothering me. Yeah. Um, okay, we can take it off the screen. Let's take it off the screen. I mean, if you want to play like that as an adult, I guess fine. But who's checking out the package on a two-year-old? Those that was like kids' shorts and like, or whatever, and kids' underwear. That was that was those were children. Those were for children, like yeah, children. Adults are making these. Adults are selling these. Adults are putting, introducing these to their two-year-olds. God. Um, yeah. I cannot wait for the time when, this is all I'll say, I can't wait for the time when the woke people realize that it is transphobic to need penises because it's cis-normative to expect a penis on a man. How's that? Mm. How's that for an argument? So don't get these for your kids, even if you're a woke parent, because it's cis-normative to expect your boy to have a penis. I can't believe I'm saying these words. They'll be good. They'll argument get there will eventually. Work to get you to not do this. Yeah. That argument is what there. I'm trying. I'm going for that one. <laughs> Whatever argument. Yeah, it's uh, it's cis-normative to expect that if you're trans, you have certain... Body parts and certain anatomy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's transphobic. It's transphobic to expect your little boy to have a penis because not all boys have penises, right? That's what we've been taught. So therefore, you're transphobic if you are trying to fit into that norm by buying a knitted penis. And um, <clears throat> please um, put your child up for adoption and consider suicide. Thomas, St. Thomas managed to make something very dark, funny. He said, I don't see any black biddies. <laughs> Big OT. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, you racist, woke knitters who made these horrible, evil things. You didn't make a black one. You're bigots. So. <laughs> oh, you big ass. There's a brown one. <laughs> oh, I see. There, there's a brown one, but there's a brown one. And okay. a blue one for all of your avatar children. Um, uh, Cheeky Mayor says if you're looking that close to a ch- to children's crotch, notice that a little quote unquote boy doesn't have a package. Well, Carter beat me to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is they. If you'll notice, I think there is a. I mean, we've we've talked about the psychological dysfunction of the left. In fact, that was the primary theme of Friday's show. But there is a contingent of the radical left that I think is really and truly evil, and they're getting off on flirting with like go. There's they're trying to see how close they can get to stuff and get away with it. Like these are the people that they're going to be pushing pedophilia as an alternate form of relationships and valid love. I mean, we already know that there are some people who do that. Like they are trying to they are trying gonna... to get as close to that line as possible and keep pushing it. They are they delight in seeing there's no reason no one did this because there was a market need. <laughs> right? No. Someone did no. this because they were like, how can we get to like what what how much how close can we get? Will they accept this? 
Well, the, can we What's get away with this? Step? What's the next yeah. step and the next step and the next step? Yes, it is disgusting. There's no other word. Vile, evil. You know, the, this. It, it should make your stomach turn. And I'm sorry we turned people's stomachs today. But uh, yeah. And yeah, as we pointed anyway. out before, you can't argue with these people. These are these are not people that you sit down and have civil discourse with. You need to just cut them out of your life. You can't you can't be around these people. They need to just be shunned. Pirate Tomsky just gave a super, Yeah, Pirate Tomsky gave a super chat and said, "This is why we need to wage open war on these people and this evil ideology." Mm. Peter Bogosian explicitly said the same thing on Rubin Report recently. Yes. So we've been yeah. trying to do this show for a couple of years and it is, this is a culture war. We are battling over it. it you know, it's funny because we make jokes about it, about saving Western civilization, but every person who speaks out against this ideology, whether you do it in conversations with friends or people, you know, which is I think more important or whether you do it on a, platform or whether you do it in your, by creating art that's not woke, however you do it, you all are working to save the values of Western civilization. You are working to save kids from the fruits of evil belief systems. So yeah. I'm, and there's, I'm, there's not, I, 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 I yeah, <laughs> they do this kind of stuff, but these are the same people. They do this and they're the same people who refuse to have a dialogue with you because they're so right and you're so wrong. Um, you can't – there's no compromise with these people. There's no discussion with these oh, people. They'll call, Stop trying to have one. No, and they'll call you – they'll call you transphobic for opposing this because we said of this course, is evil, whatever. which it is. They'll call us transphobic. Um I just wanted to make a clarification because Andrew Joyner reminded me who Katie Herzog is, why the name is familiar. I feel so – I'm sorry about this. Katie Herzog is a journalist and a feminist who got canceled for writing an article about these transitioners. Yes. Katie Herzog, um, I think, used to write for The Stranger from what I recall. But uh, in any case – or maybe it was Seattle Weekly or something. But in any case, she was canceled. I was in. She was in a New York Times piece with me and other people who were supposedly canceled – and you guys should follow her. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't interacted with her recently. But I thank you, thank you for reminding me who that is. <clears throat> yeah. And oh, I think that's all. I think we're caught up again. Well, we got a couple more. Well, we, Sweetbriar McCollum says, "Did you see that the judge behind Drag Queen Story Hour has been arrested for exchanging child porn?" Oh yeah. I did not see that. But. Yes. And he and his husband, by the way, had adopted small children, kitty porn, on his computer. And and also, he's a judge. He's a he was a family court judge. Like he worked with kids in his family job. Family court it's, is the worst, most <laughs> despicable. Like it's one of the worst institutions. It's a disgusting institution. The family court should be abolished. It's it's ridic it's ridiculously horrible. Um, they do more damage to families than probably any single institution um, and to fathers. The only one I think that we missed was I'll Fight You Naked says, my family formed a group text where I was called a conspiracy theorist for saying that we should wear masks and that was lying to, uh, and that Fauci was lying to preserve supplies. Well, hey, <laughs> 
I bet they don't remember that now if you bring it up. Or they'll say or they'll say stupid things like, oh, stop, you know, stop quibbling over that. You know, just forget about that. Why are you don't don't bring grudges up, you know, stop stop with your grudge. Just let it go, man. They'll go with whatever the narrative is. Back when the media I, I still have screenshots, I'm sure you did too, Carter, of just article after article after article after article, headline after headline from the cathedral that were all telling us around January or February of twenty twenty that were all telling us that COVID was just some right-wing conspiracy theory. Yeah, it existed, mm-hmm. but it's not as bad it's as the China. flu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were headlines that said, it's not even as bad as the flu. It's not dangerous. Don't worry. Go about your regular business. Go about your life. The only people who are talking about this are right-wing podcast hosts. Like, don't even, you know, Trump's a racist for banning travel from China. That's what all the cathedral was saying. And that's what all the followers were saying back then. And then as soon as the cathedral switched their tactic, and went and started attacking Trump from the other side. Well, then all their followers went over there and started attacking from that side. Yep. But yeah, originally they were anti-mask. They were anti even changing your voluntarily changing your behavior at all because of COVID. G-Man says doing this to children is gross. That said, can any of the knitters out there make me something in a size seven wide? I don't even know. Are there sizes for these G-Man? There's a whole world that I'm unaware of, G-Man. Thank you for enlightening me. It sounds like a shoe size. Cheeky Mayor Cheeky says, did Mare. you see the... You want to read that one? Did you see the drag Methodist preacher in Illinois, Penny Cost? Would love to know your pastor's take on, quote, her. I think it is distracting from the word. Um, oh, I did see something about this, how there's a new preacher who's a drag queen and... Um, well, you know, I don't, I don't know. I have an idea of what my preacher would say, but I don't, I'm not my preacher, but what do I think about that is, I think, no, I don't want to go to that church. (laughs) I mean, that's what I think. Just like, I don't want to go to, you know what? I, I was talking about this a little bit during that conversation I had yesterday with friends. When I see, I've been traveling a little bit more recently. I mean, you know, I was in Wisconsin recently. Whenever I see a church, with on on their sign outside out front they have they have something and i've been seeing this lately they have stuff that says you know we're we're open again for services hey we're open in person services this is my immediate, my immediate reaction I'll, it, i'm like ugh, i would never i would never want to go to your church what cowards what cowards you're open again you're open again there's nothing you have to say i want to hear God called you to be a lion when not a mouse. When I, when I, when I go to a church, I need a preacher who's stronger than me spiritually, who's more courageous than me. I need a preacher. I need, I need deacons. I need um, elders who are stronger in the faith than me. I can't go to a place where, I mean, I'm a newbie. I can't go to a place where, you know, I'm one of the stronger people there. I need I need strong people. And so if your church, your leadership decided to close its doors to those who wanted to come, I'm not saying all the congregation had to choose to come, but let them make up their minds. You're a freaking preacher. You're called to be a lion. I'm, that makes me so angry. There's so many churches out there right now that I feel like, what's the point? Why are people going to these places? Let them shutter their doors. You're reopened? Why? 
like nothing I want to hear. Separate the wheat from the chaff. That's my opinion. Anyway. <laughs> I'm Sorry, Artie, I had to hear that Christian rant. Um, but. No, it's good. It's good. Uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> you like Bradley. You would like Bradley's service. You would like Bradley's I service. I like Bradley. I still don't agree with him, but I mm-hmm. like him. Uh, okay, yeah. a couple more. Uh, Count 74 uh, says, Carter, speaking about following the science, doesn't it infuriate you how people who know nothing about scientific method want to lecture about it? Yeah, although they don't really talk, but they don't really lecture about the scientific method, right? They just yell about following the science. And here's the thing about the scientific method. It's really just reason applied to like the, the practice of science. Like it's not, there's nothing, or let me put it a better way. You can adapt the scientific method to thinking about everything. It's a good method of thinking, right? You you have a hypothesis, uh, you test it, you get some data, you draw some you draw some conclusions, you like you see if it holds up, you can change your hypothesis. Like that's a good way of thinking generally. It requires evidence and reason and it's iterative. Um but if you really want like they're yelling around the trust the science, trust trust the science. If you really want a population to quote trust the science what you should be doing is just teaching them to think for themselves. Um, that's the, that's like trusting the science really should just mean trust reason and evidence. And here's, here's a good, you can look at the scientific method as a model for testing hypotheses about the world. And this is how you think for yourself. So, um, like I, there's nothing wrong with actually having experts. Like you have to have experts that you trust. That's part of life. Like you can't not have experts. You can't be an expert in everything. You've got to trust experts. But you're, what you can do as a human is vet the experts and decide whether they're trustworthy. And when, they, when there's behavior that makes you think, well, I'm not sure how this person is trustworthy, well, then it's reasonable to question and go to different experts. So um, the, getting a second opinion used to be a normal thing to do with respect to doctors, but apparently not anymore. Um, I fought you naked says, actually, my aunt woke up when Fauci admitted it. That's awesome. That's cool. So if you guys recall, I'll fight you naked was the one saying, uh, that his whole family, I don't know, uh, his whole family was saying he was a conspiracy theorist weirdo. Um, when he thought Fauci was just trying to save mask supplies. Um, so that's good that your aunt woke up. I mean, the more the more overt they get, the more people wake up. Punk Waddle, <laughs> Punk Waddle, says once I learned about paradigms, I realized that people really just want to wear the same pair of rose-colored glasses all the time. All right. Yes. Well, a lot of people want to stay asleep. They want to keep sleepwalking, and I know people use the um, Matrix, you know, analogy a lot about whether you take the red pill or the blue pill and whether you choose to just stay awake, I mean, to stay asleep or to wake up. And I, I know pe- uh, people, there are a lot of people who would prefer to sleepwalk, who would prefer to sleepwalk, who do not want to wake up. That's everyone. I mean, that's most people. No, well, I mean, it's a lot. Things. Yeah, it's a lot of people, but it's not everyone. 
but no, it's a it's lot of people. Yeah. That would choose that, choose that to, to live in an illusion, to live on, on mute. What is that? That's not living. I mean, it, it's surviving, I guess for a while. I just, it, it, it disturbs me. It makes me think of, again, to go back to Fahrenheit 451, which I've said I was thinking about a lot lately. It makes me think of the scene, a couple scenes actually. Remember when it, when the fireman starts to wake up and he's trying to have a real conversation with Mildred, his wife, mm-hmm. and she just wants to talk to the walls and the, her, the family, you know, the it's it's like a TV show that that doesn't have a point of the family who's just talking all the time and it's on the walls and he's sort of saying real stuff to her and she's like I can't hear my program I want to just hear my program <laughs> that's what those people make me think of it's like please don't speak any truth to me I just want to be plugged into my bread and circuses <sighs> yeah I mean I I think that's the way that most people are most of the time. And it's a constant thing you have to do. You can't just you don't just wake up once, which is the problem that we've talked about with woke as uh, as a phrase, right? It implies that it's a thing that you just do. You're woke. But it now happened. It's happened, right? Um, being away, living consciously is a continual process. Um, we all have things that we are sleeping on, right? There's all things that we all have things that we're asleep at the wheel over right? Habits or assumptions that we make that we don't question because we're just not paying attention to it. Like all of us do that. But, you know, to really live the best life that you can, you need to live as consciously as you can, which means knowing why you're doing or thinking or saying something. And I think if people, if people did that, um, they might shut up on social media a lot more um, and stop you know, running their mouth on stuff they haven't even thought about at all, which happens mm-hmm. a lot, um, because they would realize they don't actually know why they think what they're thinking. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, and it's, look at I all know the people that have saying that as someone who does a podcast thing, but no, but know. we only. I trust that when you, I trust that when you have an opinion on something, it's something you have read about and thought about and taken time. This is why you and I haven't done a climate change episode because neither of us has put the time in yet to have a strong opinion. I don't know what I think about climate change. I have some opinions, but they're about the politics of it and not so much about the science of it. But yeah, Mine as well. I don't have any opinions about the science of it. And you know what? There are things I'm more interested in. So it's that I have a big list of things I'm trying to learn about. And some people that's their, that's their bag. It's not mine. Maybe I'll get to that one. Eventually I find it really boring. (laughs) <laughs> Although I, w- I will say this about climate change, climate change. Yeah. The, the mainstream representation of the science fails the honesty test, c- consistently fails the honesty test. What do you mean by um, that? And so, well, th- things are consistently misrepresented as catastrophic when they're not or as like that XKCD graph, which I think I did an episode about it once. Where yeah. It, like, did the graph did this and then it goes up at the end and they, there's like, they just don't mention the smoothing that happened prior. So like there is, there is clearly misrepresentation of the science. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean to me, I'm not going to jump to the conclusion that the science is all wrong, but it does make me say, 
I'm a little bit skeptical about the degree to which some of this stuff is the way that it's claimed to be because you've proven yourself to be liars. Like oh, <laughs> the environmentalists yeah, have proven themselves to be liars. So that's a problem. It's also, right? it's the same reason people have, it's what you've talked about, Carter, in regards to the, the, the massive propaganda push to try and get the vaccine hesitant to take the vaccine. And the way that they ban and censor and control the conversation and don't allow anyone to ask questions, it's it's like a religion. And they and yes, so that makes me more skeptical. And it makes me more skeptical right. because they re, they act that way about climate change as well. Right. And I did start reading. I'm reading Apocalypse Never right now, which I know a bunch of people have recommended. So I'm going to try and get Schellenberger on here once I finish it. Um, so, but what I, I like about read this it so far is he's like, oh. he's not. He's like, yeah, there's real things. These are the issues, but it's massively catastrophized. Um, And that's and his he's coming from the perspective of someone who um, cares about fixing climate change and believes that the misrepresentations are undermining the effort because they're so blatantly over the top that people just don't trust them anymore, which I think is true. People don't trust them anymore. They've been crying wolf for my entire life. They've been crying wolf my entire life. Yeah. So. I would like to read this from Penumbra Syndicate. Hello, sir. He says, keep in mind that twerp, Dr. Fauci, is the highest paid federal employee. We will never repair the loss of trust he destroyed last year. Yeah. Good. We should not trust the government. So that's Carter. <laughs> Carter. Thank you, Dr. You Fauci. I'm suddenly a Fauci fan. Penumbra Syndicate has convinced me to like Dr. Fauci. Uh, I appreciate Carter this. to have that <laughs> unexpected. Like, well, then good. <laughs> yeah, no, good. You should not have any trust in the federal government, especially bureaucracies or politicians, which is basically the entire federal government, just about. Oh, you you know um, what? I had this I had this interesting reaction to something I wanted to mention to you. I don't know if you saw, but uh, there was a big announcement about how the Pride Parade in is it New York? I can't remember which major city. I think it's New York. But somebody correct me in the chat if I'm wrong. But the Pride Parade has announced that they're going to ban police officers from their route and from the parade. And wow. this and Pick the city's and not. Thugs, this is the place to be. It's <laughs> so a party. The, yeah, so they're not going to have any cops at the at the parade route, and they think this is a wonderful thing. And I was thinking more about the cities, the cities that have said that they're going to defund the police, and some of the ones that already have started to do so. And every once in a while, when I read news articles like that, I I get a, a I, I get something. There, there's a thought within me that I recognize as sort of being one of those accelerationist thoughts that every once yeah. in a while I have mixed reaction, but one part of my reaction is, Hey, let's speed this up. Let's get it going. Hey, I, like- want, <laughs> I want a divorce. So the faster we can get divorced, the better. Um, now I just have a quick question just for a friend. I, Cause I know you like the phrase asking for a friend. Uh. Um, can you still dress up in cop stripper clothes? YMCA, you're dressed up like YMCA. They're going to be missing a member. Actually, two, because you can't dress as an Indian either. Uh, Cultural appropriation. The village people are no more. Village people. Oh, the village people. Yeah, YMCA. 
Yeah. So no cop, no Native American. Who's that leave? The construction worker. <laughs> what what, what else Allen is there? Says, Fireman? B. Allen says Neanderthal, Texas reported zero COVID deaths on Sunday. I don't know where that is. Yeah. That's good, I guess. Neanderthals. Uh-huh. Zuby Zuby tweeted something like this and was sort of saying he was talking about the the death rate and the, the uh, infection rate and he's like I cannot believe that there are still people lots of people who are walking around with masks on afraid of this thing anyway yeah uh, all right why bother says the more I read fiction and nonfiction history the smaller the desired government becomes. Oh, fiction, nonfiction, history. The smaller history. the desired government becomes. Yeah. Well, the more, yeah, I mean, I think there are two roads to basically a minarchist perspective. I think there's a deductive road, which is you can start with individual rights and try and work it out from there. And you end up with uh, either a minimalist government or anarchy, depending on your view of how well a state can protect individual rights or you can do it empirically. And I think there's enough historical evidence. Now we've been around documenting things as humans long enough that you could, you could derive a small government empirically just through looking around and saying, wow, look at democide. Democide's a word that, it, that means the, the murder of their own people. When a government murders its own people, it's called democide. Uh, the fact that we have a term for that is interesting. And, um, you know, the big threat is governments warring with each other and killing their own civilians. You'll notice the small governments can't do either one of those things very well. So that's, you know, those are the big threats to humanity. It's not, you know, th- this is why we could tie this to COVID. This is why... The mask mandates, this is why the wearing, the compliance is scary. It's not about, it's not about the virus. It's not about whether you're scared of the virus. It's not about whether you don't want to get it and you like, I, no one wants to get a virus. It's especially one that could potentially kill you. No one wants to get sick. But a lot of people look at the masks and the mask mandates and the compliance with them and they see Ordinary Men, right, from that, that book Ordinary Men about uh, soldiers in World War II, um, German soldiers in World War II. They see compliance, and when I see the compliance, that's where my mind goes. I think, okay, governments, you know, <laughs> governments killed over 100 million people of their own, yeah. their own, their own people last century. Yeah. Authoritarian governments rely on a compliance, docile citizenry. And zombies scare me more than coronaviruses. Zombies are 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 more terrifying, uh, terrifying. to me. They're terrifying. You know what? I, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was talking to um, uh, a friend who just got here from California. And... <sighs> We, we were talking about we were talking about uh, compliance and the mask, and we were going into a store, and she was saying, you know, you've helped me, you've helped me to have less fear about going in without a mask, right? 
and we started talking about fear and about where that comes from. And it's this fear of, of, you know, comply when people comply, it has your level of compliance has to do with how much, sometimes how much you, how much stock you put in what other people think of you and, and what the, what the tribe thinks of you, wherever you happen to be, you know? And I mean, the, the, I got past a lot of that. It doesn't mean that I don't confront that. I still do in different ways, but I got past a big chunk of that a few years ago when I left woke ideology, you know, I already walked through a, a fire where it was sort of, well, I already had to confront everyone's going to hate me. Everyone in my tribe is going to hate me. And I made the choice to still say what I thought was true ultimately after six months of fear, <laughs> but I did it. So I've already done that. And so the thing is, it, it, it's sort of like when you get to that place, it doesn't matter. I'm saying this to any adult who still finds themselves grappling with this as an adult. It doesn't matter what all these strangers at the grocery store think about you. It doesn't matter. You're, they're going to go home. They're not going home with you. You go home with yourself. What do you think of you? And if And if you're a person who the act of complying makes you respect yourself a little less, or makes you feel like you just degraded yourself a little bit, or, you know, if it robs you of a little bit of your dignity, if it makes you feel like you're a participant in a lie, if it makes you feel bad, this is something I remember Peterson said that stuck with me. Don't say things that make you feel bad. Don't do things that make you feel bad. If it makes you feel bad, if it makes you think more poorly of yourself, then, then that's what you need to care about. Who cares what those strangers think? You don't live with them. You live with you. So that's my appeal to like, because adults struggle with this stuff, Carter. I mean, I know it's, but adults struggle with this stuff. And it's like, you can, you can get, I don't know. It surprises me sometimes to see how many adults struggle with it. We're not kids anymore. Well, as we talked about on Friday, I don't think we have a lot of adults. Um, Yeah. Right. And I think, I think there's, there's some real problems there. Um, but yeah, I would say in one sense, I would say that's completely correct. And in, in, which is the more important sense, it's completely correct that it doesn't matter what other people think of you. The terrifying sense is it does kind of matter because if you're in a society full of zombies and they turn on you, like it matters if everyone, like that's the scary part. I still think you should do what you think is right because ultimately you can't, you can't beat them by joining. That won't work. Like you can't, you can't fake your way into them. But uh, I do think it's. This is why I'm a big fan of separation right now. Uh, you know, America splitting. I do think it's necessary to just split. It's a. This is a real thing. This isn't a. This isn't a temporary. I know that we're. Sometimes I feel like I'm the climate change person saying like there's going to be an apocalypse and like it's like oh. I, you know, we have until this date and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I, it sounds hyperbolic to say, but there is no reconciliation in America. There is no, rec it will not happen. Mark my words. There is no reconciliation between liberty lovers and the main, the, the mainstream NPCs. There, it's not, it cannot happen. They don't. They don't want it. The ideology, we have lost the culture war from that perspective. The ideology has has won. 
It has power over all of the institutions. It's not going to get rid of that power. It's not going to relinquish that power. But what we can do is recruit people because there's a hell of a lot of people looking around going, what the hell is going on? And those are the people that I'm that I'm hoping that you're reaching with that message, which is like, yes, don't comply. Don't comply. Don't just use your own judgment. Be an individual. There will be a place for individuals. There are enough of us. There will be a place, but not if we don't know each other exists and not if we all think we're alone, because then we'll all like, what is it? What's the phrase? Uh, Together we stand, divided we fall. Divided we fall. If we don't know that we're not the only person who thinks this is insane, well, well, we'll get wiped out of existence eventually. But there are a lot of people. We can be together. There are a lot of people who see the insanity here. And and you, I am talking to those people who don't want to comply, but are doing so out of fear. Sometimes you have to do so out of practicality. Absolutely. Like I, like I, I did a whole video on how I have to put it, have to put the mask over my nose if I want to get on that airplane. But once I get on the airplane, I let, put it down. <laughs> but, but, yep. you know, I comply, everybody makes a choice about to what degree are they willing to comply. But I am, ta- I'm talking to the people who, who are still complying out of fear. And I know that, I know that we've reached some of those people, Carter, cause they write me and I meet them in person and they've told me you, you helped me get over my fear of going in maskless. And I've started going in without the mask on. I have friends who are who've done this over the past year, started doing this and, and see every time they do it, then somebody else Who's a, who doesn't want to wear it but is afraid sees them and sees that they're maskless and then they have a little more courage. That's why you're, you're doing it for other people to see you. That's part of the reason. Yeah. It's not just so you can live with yourself. It is about what other people think. What about the person there? The only person, the only people in that store, the only strangers whose opinion I actually care about are the ones who would would be encouraged by seeing someone doing what they want to do which is to not comply. So don't, yeah, don't comply. Don't comply. I've had people, you will meet people that way. You're talking about divided, you fall. You'll meet people that way because, you know, I've met people in the store who've, who've seen me without my mask and then stopped to talk to me and took theirs off, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you meet them and you, and you have conversations or I met that old lady I told you about who didn't have one on. Yeah. I thought she was going to be woke when she turned around to say something to me and she didn't have a mask on. And she said, oh, no, I don't wear them. I know what this is. It's communism. I was like, I like this old lady. <laughs> so yeah. just anyway, yeah. that's who we're talking to. Yeah, and don't like someone said individuals need to collectivize. I don't know if that was a. Uh, a joke. A joke or not. Like, But um, don't let the left conflate collectivism with community. Individuals yeah. are humans. Humans need community. Community is a strength. We should have community. Don't let them conflate community with collectives. They're not the same thing. Communities of individuals have are are in, it's individual first. Individual rights are respected and they people are treated as individuals and they voluntarily associate with one another. Communes There is not voluntary association. You don't have property rights. You don't have rights to other things. Your your life is an end, or sorry, is a means to someone else's end. 
in a community of individuals, your life is your own. Both are social. Both involve other people. Yes, we need community. Don't let them take, don't let them take that away and and make it feel like the only way to be an individual is to move to the mountains by yourself and never talk to anyone. That's just that's not living. I mean, you can't actually live as a human in in modern times, and you can live as a primitive that way, but you won't last long. Like you need community. You need it practically and emotionally. You need community. Communities are great. You helped me understand that distinction also between community and collectives. And yeah, it's one that yeah. they try and muddy. They try and muddy that water all the time. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do a couple of super chats. And I think we're probably, yeah, we should here. Let's see. probably wrap up. Let's thank you guys for hanging out with us today. Thanks for the super chats. I just want to, we're going to read these last ones, but I want to get this plug in here for book club, which is coming up Sunday, May 30th. We are reading the wonderful Beyond Jordan Order. Peterson's Beyond Order. And you can find out more info at unsafespace.com on the book club page. It's free to join and participate in our discussions. Maybe we'll break the record. Our current record we had was the James Lindsay and Helen Pluckrose's book. We had over 50 people. That was amazing. Um, yeah. So we'll see how many people come to this one, but we hope that you'll make it. And then uh, we do have our first unsafe space retreat. If you want to meet up with people in person, it's happening in August. We have some of the day passes left. You can get those on the website at unsafespace.com. Look for the retreat page. You can also become a subscriber. It costs money for us to produce this show. And you, if you can contribute financially, you can do that at the website. There's lots of different ways to do that. And if you can't do that and you want to support the show, you can leave us a review at iTunes or you can share an episode. So that's all the things. By the way, um, Beverly private messaged me and said, Carter, it sounded like you thought Neanderthal might be a place in Texas. Yes, I did think that. I was oh, I did, she says, <laughs> no, she says the super no, chat is jokingly calling Texas said. Neanderthals, but the state had zero COVID deaths. Okay, that's good. Uh, yeah, because Biden, Biden said we were all Neanderthals back when when our governor lifted the uh, mask mandate. Oh, he did. And the, I missed. Yeah. I missed that one. He called us Neanderthals, oh. which oh. you know I've had. I I did one of those DNA things, and he's not entirely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> those DNA things are not very accurate, by the way. Um, <laughs> just to be, just don't bet much on that. Um, Tatiana says, Carter, you just described why I can't stand the phrase, what's the harm? Yeah, that's the harm. The harm is the zombie people. Um, Pirate Tomsky says, a lefty friend annoyed at Tories winning in UK said, quote, it's the power of these people in charge that damage society. To which I replied, that's why we need less government, not more. Carter, you taught me well. <laughs> I'm glad, Pirate Tomsky. It's not me. Just look out at reality. You can figure it out yourself. You're a smart guy. Uh, Why Bother says, I think we can add another solution for the, f I think he means Fermi paradox, socialism. Uh, yeah, the Fermi paradox is the one about um, extraterrestrials. It's like, if you do the math, like there's so many stars and so many planets and like there must be other, like there must be other extraterrestrials out there, but we haven't heard from them yet. And like the, you run some math and it's like, but we, there aren't any. So there's a paradox. Socialism could be the answer. They're all, they're all busy being commies destroying themselves <laughs> and they can't, they can't even get to the moon. Um, Jeanette W says, 
Not doing something that makes me feel bad is why I would sit in my car, working up the nerve to go inside a store without a mask because I didn't want to be made to wear one. I will not comply. Good. I love you, lady. Great attitude. Um, Ken Lipson says, every time I think people finally figured out this was made up, they go right back to believing the mainstream media. Yeah. They don't. I We've said this before, they don't want freedom because with freedom comes responsibility and that includes the responsibility to make up your own mind. People would prefer to have someone, many people would prefer to have someone tell them what to do, help them with important decisions in life, tell them even everyday decisions in life. Um, even if they know that they might not be as well off, uh, it, re it removes them of the burden of thinking and being responsible for themselves, and that terrifies them. And that is a psychological problem that I don't know how to fix, but damn, it's it runs deep. Uh, I'll fight you naked, says the establishment of our halves of the same, the establishment of our halves of the same ugly person. Dems and Republicans are just Galu and Smeggle fighting for one ring. Do any orcs have blue hair? <laughs> <laughs> they are, they are. Um, as long the as the point. media can keep us fighting over race and over what political party we're in and keep us divided, then yeah, we're not going to, we're going to, it's all distraction. We're not going to be looking at the actual yeah. problems, you know, is, one of which is a very large government. <laughs> I sometimes think the Republican Go party ahead. is the problem because they have managed to corral all the people who profess to want smaller government into one place and neuter them because the Republican Party doesn't actually do anything remotely related to reducing the size of government. But they kind of have this rhetoric that that like brings people in and then it's like a, it's like a dead end. The Republican Party is the political dead end that they convince you to turn down so that they can keep going left. Um, so. Yeah, sometimes I'm just I blame the Republicans more than the Democrats sometimes because yeah. at least the Democrats are like, yeah, we're crazy Marxists. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Uh, you're wrong, but all right. I think that's it for super chats. I think we made it through, and I think we could probably wrap the okay. show up. I'm gonna do our this new thing we're doing. I'm gonna read one of the reviews from iTunes to encourage people. Oh, to it's leave a new thing. Views. Wow, you, it's twice in a row. Look at you. Yeah. Um, here's one. This is from Joan of AK. Thank you, Joan. She says, we are not alone. I remember those old movies where some alien from another planet leaves a sign and a character would declare, we are not alone. That's how I felt finding this podcast. <laughs> I share I share a similarity to Carrie Smith coming from the left and only recently seeing through my own indoctrination. You two are excellent guides. Thanks for walking the road ahead of me. Thank you, Joan. Thanks for listening, Joan. Uh and we, and we'll end on we'll end on that. Although Lutra has one more super chat. Lutra twenty three says, "Love you guys. You're doing the work of the gods. Live free." Thank you. What is that? <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry, Beverly. Surprises with that. I forgot about that. Beverly. <laughs> that was that was because you this said is a, I, redheads <laughs> earlier earlier when I was plugging the Chrissy Meyer podcast. Some guy gave me a comment that said, Ooh, I love redheads. They get my heart a pitter pattering because Chrissy Meyer's a redhead. And so then I sent him that photo. 
<laughs> to get his heart pitter pattering. <laughs> um, Thank you. That, that was a good excellent. surprise. Thank you for everyone who's listening. This is if Carrie were um, the dwarf from Lord of the Rings as a redhead. This is what it would be. Or that, that that or, or that or, ginger was, from from Do- the Dodgers, Justin something who has that long. I don't know. Anyway, or Hagrid, what were you, what like were a you ginger Hagrid, Carrie Hagrid. Hagrid. That's what this is. You know, <laughs> just a picture to get your heart bitter pattering. Excellent. Well, on that note, I think we should end the show because this is scary. <laughs> um, bye, everyone. Have a good week. We'll see you later. Oh, we have. Wait, wait, wait. I, before we go. Saturday, we released, we started to release the Tactical Truth series. Finally, we have Rhett Newmeyer is doing his stuff. It's awesome. Um, so I think we're going to start doing that on Saturdays. It's not every Saturday, but those will probably come out on Saturdays. So if you haven't seen that, check it out. And I think we have a couple other videos dropping this week, but I don't know what they are. So pay attention because there's other stuff coming out, including I think it deprograms tomorrow. Um, but I don't know which one it is, so I don't want to advertise it incorrectly. Anyway, that's all. Have a good one. We'll see you all later. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please direct any appeals to our internal review board, at dev null. Please note that Seppaku, while encouraged, does not guarantee absolution. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Thank you for participating in our longitudinal study of new and exciting messenger RNA gene therapy techniques. Please make a note of any abnormal growths loss of vision, difficulty breathing, or death. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.